Walmart brand um, uh, Hunter Renfro. Like hey, mo- mo- you asked for Hunter Renfro, and Mom said we have Hunter Renfro at home. That th- that is that is Kyle Phillips. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, we already have somebody in the comments, our good buddy D Good, who said he's taking the over on an hour for the show and the over on me mentioning four and a half times about trying to get out of here. Hope you didn't bet too big on those, buddy, because you're about to lose both of those bets. I got people to see and places to be. But JT, how are you on this fine Friday episode of the show? I'm good. Last day of vacation for me. So we'll soon be back to my home studio slash office, uh, which is really nice because um, love my setup right now, sitting right right on the ground on the ground next floor to a gang? wooden table so you know floor gang right now but i'm excited to get back and even excite more excited for uh football tonight dude we got two games tonight um we've got two preseason games in the nfl one of which promises our first look at a rookie quarterback 6 p.m central standard time for those of you sickos like i'd imagine many people that listen to this show we've got bears at the Patriots at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, and then Viking Seahawks following that up at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Of course, we've got the Titans game, which we'll be previewing in detail on today's show this Saturday at noon Central Standard Time. We'll get to all of that, as well as some sights and sounds from today's training camp, NFL news with producer JT, and a warm-up segment for us today. But first, JT, the warm-up to the warm-up. Speaking of betting, in in uh, in the heart of what D-Good has already mentioned in the comments. Um, he's got me on this tangent that I, I'm glad he reminded me of this because it's been my favorite part of the day. Have you seen this article? I don't even remember who who wrote it or where it was f- written or what it's for exactly, but it's about Phil Mickelson, the most epic pro athlete of our generation. And dare I say of all time, the, the biggest first round hall of fame pro sports candidate for gambling degeneracy. Oh my God, this guy is my favorite athlete of all time. I dare you to tell me he's not amazing. I dare you. I mean, yeah, it was, I believe it was from, um, I believe it was from Sports Illustrated this morning. And okay. you were the first person that uh, brought that to, to my attention. Uh, and then I immediately brought it to uh, my family's attention who are all <laughs> big Phil Mickelson fans back in the day. Um and, and you know what? That just seems like a total Phil move to me. It is. It is. And he's, he's like, and he's, he's like most of us. It, when when he's when there was the one part about um, betting on like placing like a thousand or like four hundred bets on an on it in one day on MLB and losing like a hundred thousand. Like so is everyone else because well, no. Here yeah. here's the actual stats. Okay, I pulled this clip, this snippet rather from the article. Uh, these are records provided by sources, and here's a snapshot of Phil Mickelson's gambling habits just between the years of 2010 and 2014. He bet $110,000 to win 100, so he, he bet on uh, minus 110 odds a total of 1,115 times in those four years on nearly 900 occasions. He bet 220 to win 200, the sum of those 1,900 
roughly gross wagers came to more than $311 million. In 2011 alone, he made 3,100 bets, an average of nearly nine per day. And on one day in 2011, on June 22nd, he made 43 bets on MLB games, resulting in $143,500 in losses. Phil Mickelson is out here to compete. He's competing, baby. I love it. There's there's yet to be a professional sports or professional athlete gambling story that I hear of that as a degenerate gambler myself, I don't absolutely love. And I like there's been a lot of discourse online to today about like, is this actually true or not? Like, I I, I have no idea, to be honest, like it, it could be. But like, it's not out of the realm of possibility knowing who Phil Mickelson is. Um that this is totally legit. Um, but it's just so funny. It's it's so funny. It's amazing. And it's a great way for us to start our show out today. We'll talk actual football now, though. And before we get into that, if those of you that are tuning in with us live on the Thursday recording of this Friday show, first of all, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you being here. And in the I see the comment section already absolutely pounded with comments. I mean, we are we are excited today and i am very excited by that if you want to be a part of that conversation go on over to broadway sports media's youtube page that's broadway sports media on youtube you'll find this live stream and whether you're currently watching on twitter or on facebook if you go over to the youtube version of this live stream the comment section there is where you'll be able to leave comments reactions questions whatever you like and uh, we'll be able to see them on our end we've already got a number of our regulars in the comments uh horsemen of the hot read apocalypse jacob sane with us pretty boy lipschitz aka pretty boy kelly is in the house music city malik and my guy stoney thanks to you all for being here with us live if you are with us live real quick do me a huge personal favor you know the drill hit that like button hit the retweet button um the real homies are indeed in the youtube chat stoney this is true if you could do whatever you can to help us share this whether it's a live link that you text to a buddy or to a family member that would be super helpful and beneficial to us. We want as many live eyeballs on this show as we can. And uh, it, it just contributes to a better conversation as we get into the Titans. And let's start with the warm-up today, JT. My warm-up thought is this. As we look ahead to the preseason game and games that the Titans are about to embark on the next three weeks, any sensible Titans fan should be, should be, there will be many that won't, but should be rooting for both Malik Willis and Will Levis to be great, as great as humanly possible. Like, pick your horse that you want to back, whatever. It's fine. If you got a guy that you personally like better than the other, cool. If you got a guy that you personally believe, just your objective analysis of them as players, you think one is going to be better than the other or is currently better than the other, cool. Awesome. But just from somebody that covers the team, as a reminder to those of you that are going to be pulling for the team, especially in the preseason, but really just in general, you should be rooting for them both to be awesome. Both of them developing into studs is a dream scenario for your franchise. They say having two quarterbacks means you have no quarterbacks. And this is true in general. When you have two quarterbacks, such as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who right now on their depth chart, it says Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield. Never seen that. Not a great sign. Typically that means you got nobody, right? The Chicago bears a couple of years ago, the red rifle and Andy Dalton being backed up by rookie Justin Fields. 
that fiasco for like nine or 10 weeks of the season. We were talking on national shows every single week about who's going to start this week. Is it time for Justin Fields? He gets so tired. And in that stretch, teams are always bad. It's never good. It's always bad. Um, but if you've got two guys that are both young, both developing, both vying for the future starting role, again, th- that adage applies to the present. If you presently have two quarterbacks or more, you have no quarterback, right? But if you've got two guys waiting in the wings to take over for the future, th- then that's not an issue. In fact, it's a great thing if you've got, and when I say you've got two, two actual dudes, right? When you've got two guys that are viable NFL quarterbacks, of which the Titans may have one, may have two, may have none. We have not figured that out quite yet. And the preseason games we're about to watch will be the first clues we get on that topic. But having two guys that are great would be, I mean, just, just hypothetically, and I'm not saying this is likely to happen or will happen, but say a year from now, JT, both Malik Willis and um, Will Levis are on the team. Ryan Tannehill has moved on. They're, the team has moved on from him. And you know, you're heading into the preseason and it's a, it's a full-fledged battle, right? If the idea is they're going to go into the season with both of those guys on the roster fighting for the contending or the, the, uh, the number one overall position, then the adage would apply. Okay. You've got two quarterbacks. You got, let's make up our mind. You've got to, you got to pick one, right? But if you are able to say, Hey, both of these guys are really great. I, I kind of feel like we could go with either one of them. And the NFL sees that, whether that's through opportunities they get this season to be on the field at times, or whether that's through preseason opportunities and training camp videos and word of mouth, right? Other teams find out about that. Like, ooh, Will Levis or Malik Willis. Like, sounds like they've got a, you know, somebody with some promise down there in Tennessee and they, they don't need both of them. That becomes a prime trade target, a prime trade candidate for which your team as a Tennessee Titans fan, can get valuable compensation back. Compensation, trade compensation, need I remind you, they could really use in the next couple of years. Wouldn't hurt to have an extra third or fourth round pick lying around for one of those guys. And so rooting for them both is the ultimate goal. And I think it's easy to lose sight of that. Totally understandable. But folks need reminding sometimes that, hey, yes, you're probably going to like one guy over the other. And it's the nature of sports. You you compete, right? You want to see these guys compete. And you as a fan want to Throw your weight behind the horse of your choice. But at the end of the day, you want both of them to be as good as humanly possible for the betterment of your franchise. Now, let's move on to some sights and sounds from Training Camp JT. And as folks have, I think, caught on to by now, um, we know the drill around here. If you would be so kind as to walk me through some of these topics, I would love to share some thoughts from today's Thursday training camp. Yeah, and let's start with something that didn't happen on the field, but something that you asked a lot of the players today. What was the one thing they were looking forward to in their first game against the Chicago Bears this weekend? And you got a pretty interesting answer. Yeah, this was almost my warm-up segment today, but I decided I wanted to go a different route with that. I do want I did want to mention this at the top, though. I, we asked, and I personally asked a number of players today, pretty much as many guys as I could get a question in with at the end of practice, like, you know, for and, and you know, you're not asking this to starters because that you know it's like Ryan Tannehill. What are you looking for? It's probably not going to play, right? You know, maybe a snap or two. Um, but I asked the guys that are expected to play, like, what are you most looking forward to in your first preseason game of the season? 
And, you know, a number of responses would be expected, you know, like I just can't wait to get out there and compete. Can't wait to get back on the field. Um, I think an understandable one would be can't wait to play against somebody that's not my teammate. Right. And one that I think a lot of people would expect is like, well, I can't wait to hit somebody. And that's almost the answer I got. But pretty much unanimously, JT, and I found this pretty fascinating. The answer that I got today was I can't wait to be hit. Not I can't wait to hit somebody. I can't wait to be hit myself. And I found that really interesting. And I, it makes sense, right? I, the, laying the wood on somebody is fun. And that, you know, that'll, that'll light you up for sure. But I think getting back in that football spirit, that football mindset, that warrior mindset of, of you know, see ball, hit ball, um, physicality that is required in professional football you got to be popped a couple of times. That's what gets your blood really flowing. And so I found that pretty fascinating. Isn't that interesting that they prefer to be hit than to do the hitting to get into the flow of things? I mean, listen, man, these these guys are different animals when, it, when, it, comes to, they, when it comes to their level of competitiveness. Like they've been sitting on their butts like with just practicing with their teams for about six months. Oh, it's worse so. than that. They've been forced to sort of tackle for like yes. three weeks now, which um, has to suck as guys that want to hit somebody. So they probably are very excited to actually just feel like the game is back for sure. I think um, yeah. moving on here once again, it's a tough day for the offense mm. and you had some thoughts on that. Yeah. Another tough day for the offense. Um, it was drizzling pretty much all practice. So you did have kind of a wet ball scenario, certainly not like the other day when it was raining the entirety of practice and it was it just, everything was soaking wet, the ground, like, no, it was, it was, drizzling is a strong word actually it was really just misting the whole time so everything was damp the ball was certainly wet but like the ground was firm and the you know these are professional athletes they can throw and catch a wet ball especially one that's not soaked so shouldn't be that big a deal but you do have to take it into consideration that being said it was another and it's not like every single day at camp is a bad day for the offense but there's certainly and we've talked about this have been way more bad days for the offense or glass half full good days for the defense then there have been bad days for the defense and good days for the offense. A couple of specific notes from camp that I'll, that I'll share with you. It started out fine, good even. In the first seven-on-seven seven red zone drill, there were five touchdown passes in seven attempts, and uh, one of those two non-touchdown passes was a, a pass interference that would have put the, the offense on the one-yard line. So very efficient seven-on-seven seven drill. Of course, seven-on-sevens for anybody that – I try to be as accessible as possible as a show, so sometimes I, I want to explain the simple things. And JT, as a producer, if you ever catch me saying something, you're like, I'm not sure people know what you, you're talking about. Please stop me. Seven well, on you, seven did, is, you did say that the Bears were playing the Patriots at, at the beginning, and I did not um, – at the beginning of the show, and I did not stop I said you, the so. Bears are playing the Patriots? You did. Ah, you you even Texans. wrote it You even wrote it in our uh, – Well, that's probably why rundown. I said it, didn't so, I? And that probably yes. made it really confusing as to the so, whole rookie quarterback thing. Yeah, CJ yeah. Stroud for the Houston Texans will be play, playing tonight in, in Foxborough. My bad, guys. Um, regardless. But yeah, seven on sevens is just – football you know team against team without any linemen right and 11 on 11s is full team drills you add the offensive line and the defensive line you got add the guys in the box back in there so in the seven on sevens without the linemen things were doing fine for the offense things were chugging right along then the offense didn't score any points again for five to seven periods after that which is like depending on the day 30 minutes to an hour worth of the practice 
um, as soon as the defensive line showed up, and it's really as soon as the defensive and offensive line showed up, but the reason they didn't score is because that defensive line showed up. That being said, a couple of highlights still. Malik Willis, during that 11-on-11 period, had one of his best drills of the season, best drives of the season, which he'd had a pretty unremarkable day up until that point. But they were running a two-minute drill, and, and it's it's funny. We've gotten horrendous two-minute drill day for Malik. We've gotten better two-minute drill day for Malik. And now we've gotten, at least in one drive, really good two-minute drill day for Malik. On this drill, he uncorks a 45-50 yard bomb touchdown to Chris Moore, who I, for, I we could not, for the life of us, nobody on the sideline caught who exactly he burned, but he burned somebody up the sideline and uh, got into the end zone for seven. A gorgeous ball. I tweeted about it. The, the kind of the kind of pass that Malik Willis is making like every other day at camp. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, just when I thought I'd gotten out, they pull me back in. It's the kind of thing that makes you want to buy Malik Willis stock. Gorgeous, gorgeous passing. Um, and that was another example of one of those things where you're like, oh man, when he's got it, he's got it. It's just, does he, does he got it enough or does he got it between the ears? Right. Um, a couple other notes from, the day for the offense, Malik will or not Malik Willis, uh, Will Levis threw a pick six and seven on seven, one of his worst decisions of camp so far. Ryan Tannehill was the one that stood out to me the most because, like with the two young guys, you, you expect growing pains, you expect mistakes. Tannehill has not had a day up until today where I was like, oh, like bad decision making day from Tannehill, you know, bad execute. Like he's been at worst fine throughout training camp. Today was just, I think it was just an off day for him. Because again, I've seen him like 14 times now in the last three weeks. Today was easily, easily his worst decision-making day for the offense. Um, just had like three, it wasn't all terrible, but he had three or four passes in there, a couple of which were interceptions, um, which he threw one interception on 11 on 11s right after that Will Levis pick six in seven on sevens. But even the ones that weren't interceptions, it was like, one one of them. I mean, it's a it's a an outbreaking route from the receiver. He's at the boundary. He's open for a tick, and it's not like Ryan had you know got to him last in his progression of reads. From what I can tell, it was the first read, and he's staring him down the whole time. And the cornerback is sitting right down on the route, smothering him. I mean, in between Ryan Tannehill and the ball, and he still decides late to uncork a pass directly to the cornerback. And it's it's one of those where you're just like, what is going on? It was, I mean, not similar in the actual play, but similar in the, when you watch it back, like what, what's going, what are you thinking here in that first offensive play from scrimmage for the Titans against your Bengals in the playoff game two years ago, the game in which Ryan Tannehill's reputation changed forever. It was similar to that. Now, not to like get, go full reactionary nonsense. Like, Oh, Ryan Tannehill is back. Look at who's the, Okay. No, it's training camp, and he's been. This is one day out of fifteen practices where he's made a couple really bad decisions. It happens, but it was just a bad day for the offense overall. Um, to, to kind how, of sum and how, that, up, how concerning is that to you now that they've kind of strung right, a couple days together? Exactly. Now, of course, that's, it it'll be pretty interesting when we'll get to this. Um, when we talk about the preseason opener, hmm. is that we're not going to see these probably the top offense um no. we, we probably will see probably the first o-line unit out there but besides that a lot of mm -hmm. the skill players probably will not be out there not in game um, one no so it'll probably and i i think when you 
mostly we've been talking about how the O-line has not been great in these practices. And today it was the skill positions, most notably the quarterbacks. Um, so but it'll to be, be fair, it was, it was largely everybody, but yes. not just the offensive line now. Yeah. Um, so it'll be pretty interesting, at least this weekend, to see kind of uh, how that works out. But how concerning is that to you? Yeah, and I want to be as accurate as possible when I describe this to people, because if anyone knows, like if you truly know me and my brand and the work that I do, I am super anti-reactionary. So I, I don't want to make it sound like I don't know if people caught wind of apparently there was a Ravens practice over the weekend in which nine interceptions were thrown in training camp. Interceptions are a funny thing because it's like generally my number one rule for quarterbacks personally in in uh, in training camp is like you have two steps, step one, grip, step two, rip, like throw the ball. I, I heard Ben Solak uh, talk about this on a podcast over the weekend. Like if you don't, the, the most annoying thing in training camp is when a guy holds onto the ball for three and a half, four seconds in the pocket, scrambles around, definitely got sacked like seven different times by seven different players, but they can't touch him because they're wearing the red jersey, rolls out, Guy, it's, then it's scrambled. Okay, we can salvage this rep by running a sc- scramble drill. Let's see the, the quarterback roll out and the wide receivers get open. Dudes do or don't get open downfield. Doesn't matter. The quarterback takes off running. A lot of what we saw with Malik Willis in, in preseason last year that ultimately got him benched in one of those games. That That is the most annoying thing at camp. There's nothing more. In, I, ben Solik, I was saying that there should I reporters should allowed, be allowed to bring footballs that if you, do, like, if you don't throw the ball, I get to throw the ball at you because this is your job. It's training camp. Try something, uncork it, see what happens. It's, there's no consequences. That's the general rule with interceptions. But it's like, it's a, there's, you got to parse it with, okay, well, if you got nine in one practice, that, that's a little like, uh, I don't know about that. Um, but if you got a couple every day, it, it's not really the end of the world. It's a situationally, what was the, what was the actual decision making going on? Were they just trying something? Was it a contested catch? They were given a guy an opportunity to win? Or was it like I described a minute ago with the Ryan Tannehill pass where it's like, okay, that was just clearly a bad decision through and through. That's a concerning interception. So, um, yeah, as far as how concerning it is that they're stacking these questionably bad days as an offense, it it, it is getting to the point of concern. Um, I was talking a little bit with Braden Gall about this there at camp today, and I heard on his show, a football show on the 440 Network earlier today, with Zach Lyons, he was, this is a lot of name dropping and, and connecting of dots, but Braden Gall on his show earlier today was talking about a conversation he had with our buddy Paul Kaharski at training camp about how they were getting to the point of a little bit of concern. And it's funny with Paul, you know, a lot of people know Paul is like the glass half empty, glass fully empty guy a lot of the time. Um, and a very like, you know, negative PK versus positive PK, which positive PK is literally a caricature player they gained some traction here in national sports media because negative PK is who actually PK is. That being said, this training camp, Paul has, I don't know if it, maybe he's just getting softer with his old age. I'm not sure. I'll have to ask him. He, uh, he's been, he's been generally more positive than the, than a lot of the, the zeitgeist, a lot of the, uh, the common man around the Titans. And today was one of the first days that I kind of was talking to him or heard him talking and is like, yeah, I'm kind of starting to get a little bit concerned. And I'm I'm with him in that sentiment. It is concerning right now. Before today, it was largely like you like you said, it was largely the the line play that you're like, okay, well that duh, that's there's your reason right there why things aren't going so swell. Um, my guy Teron Davenport has been talking about and good on him for talking about this. You know, for as much hate as Andre Dillard, Titans left tackle, got at the beginning of camp. 
in the past four or five practices, he's stacked some really good days. And I know TD has been watching him with an eagle eye pretty much every practice. And um, he's been impressed with what he's seen, especially as compared to what we saw early on. Like he's finding some footing. He's finding some um, repeatability. And so that's a good thing for the Titans. The rest of it has to work. And, and again, it's, it's, you know, it's early August in training camp. What, what are we going to make of this? Let's see some preseason action before we like really sound the alarm. I don't, I, I, I'll wrap it up by saying this JT. It is once again, as we've talked, we continue to talk about, and we'll continue to talk about as long as training camp is team on team. It is glass half empty or half full, right? Because like we, could be in a situation here where this offense is average. You know, they're just an average league offense. They're going to be fine. They'll score 24 points a game. What, you know, 27 points a game. And this defense is just a juggernaut and they are playing out of their minds. And to be fair, half the time when an offense has a, the offense has a bad day out there. I really should probably be phrasing it as the defense has an awesome day. Christian Fulton. I said a, a month ago that he's been playing with his hair on fire update hair still Totally on fire. He's playing. It's almost like contract year player is playing like a contract year player. Crazy how that works. Um, you've got, you know, the regular excellence of the Titans front four with the additions of Arden Key bringing that juice. Aziz Al-Shair and Dr. Gibby Jack Gibbons at the, as the linebacking core are, are continuing to play well. You've had a number of standout days from guys like Roger McCreary had a really nice day today. There have been days where Sean Murphy bunting has been absolute clamps. There's been days where um, Elijah Molden has been fantastic, switching back and forth from that cornerback to nickel position. All of that being said, Stoney in the comments says it all went south when John Ajoku got injured. This is true. It, this offense rides and dies with undrafted free agent Boise State tackle John Ajoku. Um. We just don't know whether it's the defense being great or the offense being bad or maybe a con again, if you had to gun to my head today, what is it? What's the answer right now? And this is maybe cynical. I think my answer is maybe like both. Maybe the defense is really good and the offense is at this moment. Not very good. I don't think that's the indictment that some like, well, this offense is going to be bad this year. I'm, I wouldn't say that. I'd say right now they're bad. And there are reasonable arguments to be made. They're like, okay, they are still learning a brand new offense. Yeah, they they are still implementing a, a pretty much a brand new supporting cast around Ryan Tannehill, Traylon Burks, Chigakonkwo, and Derrick Henry. Like, other than that, it's kind of everybody new. So that's, you know, there's certainly some gelling to be done there. So th that's something that I think people need to just pump the brakes on. The concern is fair. The concern is real. But it's a DEFCON, this doesn't even exist, it's like a DEFCON 8. It's not even a DEFCON 5. We're nowhere near DEFCON 1. Just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, let's move on uh, because we heard about a heard from a brand new head coach today. And no, Mike Vrabel is not being replaced, but... He's fired. <laughs> He's quitting. But for this weekend, uh, the Titans will have a new head coach, and that is defensive line coach slash assistant head coach Terrell Williams. Um, and coach you got, to, you, you got to talk to coach T a lot today. What did he have to say? Dude, to bring, we have one clip to share today and it's of coach T. It was his, his, uh, primary statement at the podium today. He gave us 20 great minutes at the podium just to briefly editorialize off the top. Terrell Williams, coach T is one of the most likable people I've ever met. I mean, I'm not just, I'm not saying that likely or like, likely lightly. 
there are are certainly people that I have met with the Titans organization in the Titans organization around the Titans organization that are the opposite of that. And I would say so. He is he is, I think, the most likable guy on that coaching staff for my money, at least of the guys that I've met. And that's no diss to the rest of the coaching staff. But it's understandable why Mike Vrabel made this decision. It's understandable why Mike Vrabel gets along with Coach T so well. It's understandable why I've not heard a single bad word about him from his fellow coaches and players. He is so agreeable and likable and amiable. Like I, I can't say enough nice things about the guy. Um, I have no idea whether he's a good um, head coach or not. He, I'd imagine he's a good defensive line coach because this defensive line is pretty freaking good. And I'd imagine Mike Vrabel thinks that he's got the chops to be a good head coach or else he wouldn't be giving him this opportunity. But JT, let's play this clip. Uh, we asked him about the opportunity when he found out about this opportunity from Mike Vrabel and what his thoughts were on getting the chance to be the acting head coach for the Titans in preseason week one. You know, he kind of mentioned uh, something about two weeks ago. He said, hey, we're going to expand on this role kind of in passing. And it's like, OK. And and then maybe about a week ago, he said, I want you to take over and um, and run the team for this football game. And, and I was excited, obviously. I mean, just uh, um be in front of the group and, and take control of everything. I think it's a big honor. And I think Mike Vrabel deserves a lot of credit. All right. He deserve, deserves a lot of credit, not just for doing this for me, um, but I think around the league, hopefully more coaches will give assistant coaches opportunities to, to do this because there's no, like you got all these different programs, um, but there's nothing more better than actually getting the experience. And, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for doing that. Coach T went on to talk about how he's not really overwhelmed by the moment. He's a very even keeled guy. Seems like the kind of guy that, and he said himself, I've seen a lot in life. Like I've been through a lot. It takes a lot to rattle me. I, we're just going to roll with the punches. I'm excited, but I'm not nervous. He said, I do not have butterflies in my stomach. I am looking forward to this and I'm not overwhelmed by it. Um, he said the defensive line boys, you know, the guys he's coaching regularly have been giving him a hard time. Like, oh, coach T's the head coach. Now he's acting different, um, which is certainly funny. A fun fact, he's been working with Ryan Tannehill. And I don't think many of us knew this longer than anybody else in the organization. He was a coach at Texas A&M when Ryan was a wide receiver. And then, of course, when he was a highly drafted quarterback uh, with the Dolphins, he was working there with Motor City Dan Campbell back in the day. And then uh, of course he's been here with him in Tennessee. So he's been with Ryan Tannehill for like two decades or something crazy. Um, he also said that he's certainly better prepared for his first rodeo as a head coach than Mike Vrabel was namely because Mike Vrabel has tried to warn him, tried to tell him everything that he learned the hard way, his first go around. So he seems well-prepared. He seems well-adjusted. He seems well-equipped for the moment, and I think it's a fantastic move again by Mike Vrabel, something that I really hope coach, other coaches copy. It's it's an easy, it's an easy first of all, shrewdly, it's an easy PR win, um, but actually substantive and important beyond that. It's a, it's a fantastic way to get guys that deserve a chance for not just some publicity, but a chance to really try it, you know, try it out, take it for a spin, see what you can do as a head coach in a low, not low stakes, no stakes situation, really. And it's to no really loss for the organization. Like Mike Vrabel still going to be there on the sidelines. He's still going to be involved. The team's not getting any worse because of this. It's preseason game one. 
It's something that other teams should absolutely do. I know they do it in the NBA. Um, there's, I, I forget her name, but there's a female coach down in San Antonio that has gotten a lot of play and may be a future head coach of an NBA team because coach uh, Greg Popovich down there constantly in the preseason is giving her the opportunity to be the interim head coach. There's no reason why. And this is not, I'm not like not even a, a woke thing. Like, Oh, let the, let the women be the head, you know, let, let the minority, like that's great, but let people of any color, creed, race, origin that deserve a chance for exposure, give them preseason games to do that. It seems like a very easy and smart thing to do. And it's kind of shocking to me that it, Mike Vrabel out of the hundred thousands of people working in the NFL was the first to come up with it in the year 2023. It's, it's funny that we're just not thinking of this. Um, yeah, that's that's it on on Coach T. Excited to see what he looks like on Sunday or on Saturday, how he handles it. I'd be shocked if it goes poorly. I think that he's going to do just great, and I can't wait to hear from him after the game. Yeah, let's move on to the odds and ends of training camp, starting with once again the kicking competition. Uh, you have some thoughts on the battle between Caleb Shudak and Trey Wolf today. Yeah, we had just a you know kicking update. Chudak and Wolf both kicked today good from 26, 33, 38, and 44. They were both bad, however, from 64 yards out, which is something that we were told not to report. I and mean, I'm not actually reporting this because they weren't real kicks. Um, it was it was a, a long kick, gunner return kind of drill. You had Traylon Burks lined up in the end zone, um, Iron Bowl style looking to return the short kick. And... I was when they first did it, like we didn't know what they were doing. We're like, where are they lined up? And we're doing the math like 64, 64. Okay. No. Okay. Traylon Burks is back there. Got it. Got it. Got it. But at first I was so amped because I've been asking kind of aloud, like in the direction of coaches, like I really wish they'd test these guys out from further than like 53 yards. Like that'd be cool. They've got big legs. Let's see what they can do. Um, and so I thought that's what they were doing. Like, I really do want them to seriously try like a 57 yarder. Just, just see what you like. Trey Wolf's got a big leg. He's got a big frame. He's a big boy. Let the man kick from deep. Let's see what he can do. Caleb Shudak, smaller guy, but he's got some serious leg in that frame. Let's see what he can do. That being said, they were in, in the coaches came up to us after uh, practice. They're like, we wanted you to know, like they were, they were instructed to be short. They were instructed to miss that field goal. We're like, we, we got that. Yeah. Um, because not only were they short, like they were like a good 15 yards short. Like it wouldn't have been good from 47, let alone 64. So that was something that they did and was funny and um, a good drill, I'd imagine. But like, let's do that. But for real, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Let's try it again. Not from 64 is bold, but let's try a 60 yarder here and there. See what happens. Um, attendance notes, defensive lineman tier tart was back at Titans practice today. We had at the beginning of the practice, no sign of wide receiver, Deandre Hopkins. Oh no. Sound the alarm. Tight end, Alize Mack or defensive lineman, Naquan Jones during the stretch period, Mack or Jones were not a part of today's practice as far as, um, I saw, but we did have Deandre Hopkins sneaking back out. He pretty much just skipped all the boring stuff at the beginning of practice, the stretching and the team drills and the, you know, the special teams periods. He came out dear. I say team drills, not team drills, special teams period and uh, position drills during the team drills, team periods. He snuck out and got a quick stretch and got in there with the team. So it was a part of the install was a part of the uh, sevens and the elevens. And so um, all the all the rabid Texan and uh, Cardinal fans that were ready to go off. Oh, two straight practices. No DeAndre Hopkins. He's got to rein those dogs in, pal. Not yet. He is, in fact, still practicing. And uh, that's pretty much it from today's camp was uh, an interesting one. Not a good one for the offense. 
and uh, left us a number of questions for our preseason preview, which I want to get into in just one second. But first, I want to remind all of those that are listening with us live. First of all, thank you so much for being here and being a part of the conversation. Like Music City Malik, who wants to cut both the kickers for missing from 64 yards in the uh, in the comments. Going over, if you're watching on Twitter or on Facebook, go on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page to be a part of the conversation, and you'll be able to find this live stream in the comment section there is where you will be able to contribute. Like Jacob Sane, who says the Titans have finally given up and are practicing missed field goals. Indeed. Um, JT, can we... I know we got the order on this on our rundown backwards or backwards from what I'm asking. Can we bump the preseason preview to last? Can we get to some, uh, some news with producer JT first? Is that all right with you? Yeah, we sure can. All right. Uh, here's the news with producer JT. Yeah. Let's start out with this strange Kareem hunt saga. We reported, I believe on the last episode that Kareem hunt was su- supposedly signing with the saints um, to kind of to kind of replace uh, Alvin Kamara for at least the first three games in that running back tandem. However, there was an update later that day that Kareem Hunt was not signing with the Saints and instead um, going up to Indianapolis to work out with the Colts. And then we learned um, later that day or the next day that Kareem Hunt was leaving Indianapolis without a deal. An offer was made by the Colts, but they were unable to reach an agreement. So kind of a strange situation there for Kareem Hunt. Yeah, certainly a strange one. It sounded like the Colts were desperately uh, throwing money at him in in New Orleans. I mean, I saw, I saw a report that he was instructed before he was done with his meeting in New Orleans to go to New Indianapolis. Um, okay, that sounds like he's getting money, but then he wasn't getting money. Indy's in a they're in a bad way at the running back position. You've got guys with broken arms. You've got guys not wanting to play on their contract. Dudes holding out. You've got guys with, with various ailments and injuries and they are super duper thin. And the options that they have are like Kareem hunt and hoping for the ghost of playoff Lenny Leonard Fournette. Like that's it's old washed guys. And they're going to have to do something. What exactly? I have no idea. Yeah, moving on here, just a quick note that uh, veteran quarterback Teddy Bridgewater signed a deal with the Detroit Lions, which is worth a maximum of $5 million, including two and a half of that million dollars guaranteed. Just a quick note on that, that for all you Tennessee volunteer Hendon Hooker MVP hopefuls for this year, it sounds like he uh, Teddy Bridgewater is now backing up Jared Goff. So just wanted to put that in there. Let's talk about another Tennessee Titan that was on the move this offseason in Nate Davis. And this is kind of an interesting situation that's going on up in Chicago. The And we kind of got answer today from uh, Luke Getze that said the Bears are hopeful to get Nate Davis back soon. That was reported by a couple of people, but I saw it from Zach Pearson, who covers the Bears for BearReport.com. And we there was some outrage today about Nate Davis, in which one person commented, the Bears need to bring in another interior offensive lineman soon. All Nate Davis does is walk around in a jersey collecting checks like rappers in 2002, <laughs> which you found very comical today. But the point still stands. Because it is. He, the point stands that Nate Davis seems to eat rather it be an injury or just something else that's going on. Not a good uh, training camp for him. Yeah, and, and by the way, Stoney in the comments on the Indianapolis running back situation. It is indeed Evan Hole season. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I I don't think I don't think it's anything character related with Nate Davis from my brief time covering him. It, that that didn't seem to be an issue. 
I do think that injuries, in fact, I know that injuries are an issue for him and have been in the past. And so, um, yeah, they, they spent a lot of money on him. So really there's nothing for me to add besides you, you sure hope for their sake that he works out. And, and we know that when he is healthy, he is an above average borderline, very good offensive guard, but when healthy is doing a lot of work there. And, um, if he continues to deteriorate physically in his NFL career, it may prove to have been a very wise decision on the Titans part and a very poor decision on the bears part. Yeah. Final thing here in the news section today, an interesting, uh, art ESPN article by Seth Walder earlier today had, uh, him making a couple mock trades that teams could potentially make before the trade deadline this season. And one in particular, he had the Titans trading for Hunter Renfro and a 2024 six round pick for a 2024 fourth round pick. He went on to add that Renfro would likely be a significant upgrade in the slot over Nick Westbrook Akine, who finished with the second worst overall score in ESPN's receiver tracking metrics last season, or Kyle Phillips, a 2022 fifth rounder who had eight receptions in an injury shortened rookie campaign. Easton, your thoughts on this mock trade and kind of the Kyle Phillips slander here? Erasure. Um, yeah. I, can Renfro play line? Like, do you think they could convert him to offensive line? Because otherwise, I don't think this is the primary um, area of need for the Titans. And Jacob points out in the chat, we definitely need less draft capital. This is true. Although, to be fair to Seth Walters, a very bright guy, like, you know, you even if you don't have much draft capital, if you want to make trades, make your team better, typically you have to give up draft capital. Um, I, I just think if they are to make a trade before the trade deadline it, to, to add to the team and not, you know, ship guys off, it would probably be for a lineman is what I'd, I'd imagine. They, they have done their additions for the offense. I think in the skill position, like, you know, landing Deandre Hopkins, the biggest wide receiver free agent of the off season, adding a couple guys in, um, in Tajay Spears, who's going to be an active, immediate impact, uh, having a year two Chig and Traylon Burks, adding Chris Moore early on, who's going to be a, a fine role player for them. And I think an active part of the offense, adding guys like Josh Wiley, who are going to take some time to come along, but they anticipate being a big part of the offense eventually. Like that's they've done plenty of construction on the offense in terms of skill position guys. So I don't I don't see that really being a thing. That being said, I don't just to the general idea of going for Hunter Renfro is not a terrible idea at all. I think Renfro is a good player. The really he's kind of like Kyle Phillips, like Kyle Phillips. It, one could argue Kyle Phillips is Walmart brand um, uh, Hunter Renfro. Like hey, mo, mo, you asked for Hunter Renfro and mom said we have Hunter Renfro at home. That, that That is that is Kyle Phillips. Now, I think after this year, if Phillips remains healthy, it may be that Kyle Phillips is on, like, maybe that that's the same level of guy. Like he may no longer be the off brand Walmart brand version, but they're very similar in the sense that you know what they can do when they're healthy. They're very impactful. They're, they're, they're very much a threat, but when are they healthy for both guys in recent memory for Renfro, you know, Renfro has a, a much longer NFL track record of remaining healthy and like being successful and has some really good seasons under his belt. But last year in particular, both guys were really MIA because of those injury concerns. And that's going to do it for our news section today. All right. Thank you, JT. That is the news with producer JT. And now let's get on to our last segment today. Preseason preview game one, week one, noon central standard time. 
in Chicago. The Titans are headed up to Soldier Field to face the Chicago Bears. I want to spend a couple of minutes, JT, just chatting about what exactly we expect to see. And more specifically, who we expect to see play. Um, we talked to Coach T today about that. Actually, we talked to Mike Vrabel at the beginning of practice, before practice started. And we asked him, and, and Vrabel said, on the question of the quarterbacks, who's going to play when, who's going to be the starter, he said that decision has been made. Thumbs up. We're not going to tell you. Thumbs down. I assumed that meant, you know, he's trying to give, he's not trying to steal head coaching responsibilities from Coach T. We'll, we'll ask him after. Cool, whatever. So after practice, we go to Coach T and we say, you know, all these, first of all, who's going to play when? Have you made those decisions? Uh, our buddy Paul Kaharski opened the press conference with like, I heard a rumor that you are one of the greatest head coaches in the league um, for like vulnerable, like accessibility on the playing times in the preseason. And he said, no, I am not. Um, he, he claimed, and this was kind of a weird contradiction between Vrabel and Williams. He said that those decisions in terms of player personnel and playing time would be finalized in a staff meeting directly after that press conference, which is weird because Vrabel had just said they'd made that decision and they just weren't going to share it yet. Williams was saying they hadn't finalized that decision. My best guess as to wh what the disconnect there is, um, is that they, they have, in fact, talked about the quarterbacks, but an easy out to not talk about them or anybody else was just, you know, we haven't finalized our plans for player personnel and their playing time. Every, everybody's going to, you know, classic Titans. Everybody's going to have a plan. We're going to stick to that plan. We're going to develop that plan. And we're going to we're going to finalize all of that at our staff meeting, which just happens to be right after our last press availability before the game. All of that being said, we have to now guess who's going to play when, JT. And maybe you have an opinion on this. I'd love for you to share. But for me, it feels pretty obvious, and I'd be kind of shocked if it's not this way. I'd imagine Willis gets the start. I think just the, knowing the Titans, the way that they treat seniority, the way that they treat veteran status, you know, putting guys over other guys on the depth chart all through the preseason and even into the regular season, to the chagrin of many fans who angrily want progress now, the Titans are very conservative and slow moving on that front. And I, I just, I would be shocked if they in game one of the preseason, even if Levis is, they think the better quarterback right now. Some I've seen some people saying like it's Levis and it's not close. It may be Levis, but it's, it's definitely close boss. Like if you're saying, you know, game one preseason of rookie year Malik versus the same situation, for Levis, yes, it's not really close. Levis is much further along than than Willis was at this time. But right now, the two of them are very, they're very close. They're very similar quarterbacks. And so I think that's going to be a nod to Willis. Is that kind of what you're expecting? I mean, yeah, there. I mean, it, would I be shocked if there's like a 5% chance that Ryan Tannehill comes out for one drive yeah, yeah. or one series? Yes. Like, no, but like after Ryan Tannehill, I'm pretty much expecting Malik Willis. I, I would be pleasantly shocked and surprised if it was Will Levis. I, I think that's kind of going away from the kind of memo that they've been giving us all off season. I think Willis, is. I think Willis will be this um, kind of take the first half and we maybe we'll see um, just a whole second half from uh, Levis. Yeah. So the question becomes, um, and maybe it's the question I'm asking myself and I want to share with people so that I, I have track record before the game to be able to talk about this after the game. If it's true, we've talked about this a little bit and we were talking on Wednesday's show, which people should definitely go and check out with our buddy, Nick Suss from the Tennessean. 
great show. Finish this one, then go listen to that one. It's, it's a good one. Um, I'm worried what he said and what I agreed with him on is going to be the case in this game as it has been at camp in the sense that whoever is playing with the twos is going to look better than whoever is playing with the threes. And so that brings into question, okay, they're going to split the game. We're presuming how is that going to be split up? Is it going to be half and half, you know, like Malik Willis first half, We'll have a second half. It's going to be quarters, alternating quarters. Is it going to be alternating drives? There's there's a number of ways you can you can slice this cake, and there are pros and cons to each. I'd imagine, not imagine. I know the pros to going half and half is you get some continuity. You get the opportunity to, and the sunlight is making me. It's getting it's slowly creeping in here. Um, that, that continuity, if you go one half and one half, allows for guys to get some continuity and get some momentum you know shake the nerves get into the groove get some flow all of those things and that's good but again that that then becomes in terms of defensive personnel typically you start with your maybe some ones and twos in the preseason and then it becomes all twos and then by the end of the game it's the threes and the scrubs just getting some some chances out there if Malik Willis has the full first half and is facing some of the ones and twos playing with the Titans ones and twos. And then Will Levis is left with the dregs of the, the both rosters in the, in the, in the third and fourth quarter, things aren't going to be great. Um, I, I'd imagine maybe he proves us wrong. Um, but, but either way, and it be, kind of becomes a two edged two edged sword there because if he's playing with just the threes and looks great, you're like, well, of course he did. He was playing against the threes defense. Like, what are you going to do? And if he looks bad, it's going to be like, well, he was, he was throwing to freaking, you know, guys you've never heard of. Gavin Holmes. No no disrespect to Gavin Holmes, but like, you know, the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart. You know, like, what are you expecting him to do? What can he do out there? Either way, it makes for inaccurate comparisons, uneven comparisons. If you go quarter and quarter, that's a little bit better. But then like quarters get weird because sometimes you, you know, you have one offensive drive a quarter. And sometimes you have five, you know, like it's very, it becomes very uneven in that way. If you go every other drive, that's the best for getting the most fair comparisons for personnel. But then it's like, how do you get any momentum as a quarterback when you know you may go out there and go three and out and then not get to touch the ball again for like 30 minutes of game time? Like, who knows? That could absolutely be the case. And then you're screwed. It ruins your opportunity. So, I would be inclined to say give him half and half um, and then flip it the next preseason game. JT, is that what you would think they should do? Yeah, I think I think kind of splitting it up kind of in the first half or like first quarter, second quarter, like flipping hmm. it between them kind of maybe would do more harm than good. Just oh, like okay. because of because of like there are a lot of other players on the field that are also vying for um, for a spot on this roster and are wanting to stand out. So I feel like if you put like, especially like with wide receivers, if you put out Malik one time and then the next drive or the next quarter, you're putting out um, Will Levis, like it, it kind of breaks up the chemistry that they might be making during like that half, you know, that they do get to play. So I think it might hurt the team as a whole um, more than it would just hurt those two. But I think it is just kind of like a, a normality, I feel like, in NFL preseason games where we see the the starter um, or the guy who is above who is m- above and higher on the depth chart kind of get the first reps of the game. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's move on to the offensive line now and talk about a group that is certainly the the area of most concern for people. In terms of who we expect to play, I'd say in terms of offensive first string guys, this is the group where you'll see the most of them. And that's just an element of wanting to get them reps, live reps, some continuity, just some practice for a group that is very fresh and very raw in terms of their development together. Um, we did hear from Peter Skoronsky, Titans rookie guard today, saying that uh, preseason games are a good time to work on chemistry, which makes it sound like they're planning on getting some chemistry. So that's kind of a, a bit of a, a hint there, a bit of a tell. Titans guard Daniel Brunskill is at the podium today, and we spoke to him as a group. He called Saturday's preseason game a very big one, pointing to, and this is clever, pointing to the opportunity to face a Matt Eberflus defense. Folks are like, who's Matt Eberflus? He's the head coach of the Bears, formerly the defensive coordinator for the Colts, and that off or that defense, rather, that system is still in place in Indianapolis. So uh, Daniel's point was, we'll be able to face an Eberflus defense in Chicago this weekend, it's going to be a good dress rehearsal, good dry run for something that's going to be very similar to what they'll see twice this year in, in the regular season against the Colts. And so I'd imagine we see those guys, you know, not the whole game. We're not going to see the starters out there all, all day, but if you see them for like three drives, a full quarter, a whole half wouldn't really shock me. JT, I, I do you think we'll see them? And certainly you agree with me. They're the group that needs to get out there. Yes, above anybody else that probably needs to be out there, the offensive line um, is the most important. For for injury's sake, I, I would say maybe a quarter, and then I would, because we saw like in the Hall of Fame game, we saw a guy in Mackay Becton who has had a very long injury history also tweak something in that game and have to come out for a little bit. So like pump the brakes on like, the they do need to get the chemistry together but i probably wouldn't go more than a quarter i mm -hmm. would be interested however to see how much npf is playing and who he is playing with that that'll be interesting to mm. watch in this game yeah i agree last thing i want to talk about on this preview and we'll go much deeper in the preseason game pretty much the whole episode this weekend for monday will be about that preseason game and our analysis from that but just some predictions, just for fun, JT. And, and our buddy Nick Suss came up to me today at training camp, and he goes, I'm going to ask you five questions, and you have three seconds tops to answer each one of them. Just to give me snap judgments. I was like, all right. He asked me these questions. Um, I, I already have forgotten what exactly I said, and I regretted some of my answers in the moment because it was I was very panicky about it. But I've, <laughs> I've, I've intentionally not spent a long time thinking about these questions because I want to just kind of talk it through with you and just come up with our, our best guess or maybe talk about why we disagree. So here are five questions predicting this game. I want to figure out who we think the biggest impact players are. JT, who do you think will be the leading rusher at the end of this game? For the Titans or overall? For, for the Titans. For the, for all the for the Titans. Titans. Okay. Um, Tajay, probably. I think he probably gets most of You think he gets the, enough run? I think he gets at least a quarter. Um, okay. And then after that, I think we see a mix-up between Haskins, Ward, and Chestnut, which kind of takes him um, solely. But I think out of out of the rushers in this game, I think they're going to feed it to Tajay um, and just kind of see what they have in him as as kind of this guy. And that's what I'm hoping to see. Yeah, I'm going to go with Julius Chestnut. Just knowing what he did last year in the preseason, like he's one of those preseason gems. Like he's just always going off and gives you know gives maximum effort. I think that he'll get plenty of carries in this game. I kind of and maybe I'm, maybe you're right and I'm wrong. Uh, total very possible. But I'm I kind of get the vibe that maybe they're going to give Tajay not a starter treatment, 
uh, or a veteran treatment, but like a little bit of that as that we saw last year, like a guy in Kyle Phillips who was a rookie, he didn't really get much play in the preseason. Like they were already giving him that starterish treatment, veteranish treatment. I kind of think we might see that from Tajay, but we'll see. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going chestnut. You're going Spears. Who do you think the leading passer will be between the two Titans young guns? I think it's going to be Levis. And Agreed. this is this is more of a take, not because I don't think Willis will be throwing it a lot. I think if when Le- Levis currently predicting Levis to come in in the third and fourth quarters with him, he knows his roster spot isn't kind of going anywhere. So it, like like you said, take some shots. It doesn't matter. Like I, I think Levis is going to be showing off that arm doing everything with the opportunity he's given and that will probably lead to more yards i agree i think that um we might see some leak like impressive rushes i mean that might take away you know he may scramble away and annoy the titans brass because he's not gripping and ripping what we're trying to get you to do so maybe that's the case but i i think levis will be the guy who do you think the leading receiver will be for that leading passer who do you think the guy that comes away with as the best receiving performance might be in this game this is really interesting. I'm going to, I'm a guy and this is not one who I think, but this is just the guy I want to see. Um, I want to see more Kiaris Jackson in this game, especially Ooh. in the, in the third or fourth. Like I want to see, I want to see what he can actually do. Um, he's been a guy who's been hanging around just kind of by the skin of his teeth um, mm. in, in the preseason or in training camp so far. So, Hey, go on, go out there with Levis and let me see you rip it. So I, my initial answer was Reggie Roberson because of that connection we've seen from uh, Levis with him and what we've seen from him in practice. And it, I think that's a very possible one. I'm going to go more cynical and more frustrating maybe for people. I think racing McMath's going to be the guy. Um, and I think it's going to be one of those things where you're like, gosh, I thought we, we had conveniently eliminated him from the conversation and he's going to just, he's, he'll probably catch one 45 yard bomb and that'll really bolster his his stats, but he had a really, really nice day. Yeah. Stoney, I'm with you. I prefer to see that Reggie hype translate to the field. Like that's what we, and maybe it's the case that they both look great or a couple guys look great. Certainly possible. I just with Roberson or with, with McMath rather today on the last practice we saw before their training camp or goodness, the last training camp practice we saw before their game on Saturday, uh, they have one more tomorrow, but the last that the media got to see that connection from Levis to McMath in his two minute drill before they they really stalled out and struggled in the shallow red zone. Levis to McMath, they completed three passes on the boundary that were really nice completions. And I was like, okay, this this looks like something I could absolutely see happening a lot on Saturday. So I'll go with McMath. You're going with Kiaris Jackson. I like that choice. Defensively, who do you think the defensive player of the game might be in this one? Maybe that's gets a couple sacks maybe it's most tackles maybe it's a lockdown cornerback or a a safety who do you think stands out defensively for this team and this is going to be another guy who i'm kind of gunning to make the roster i want to see what he can do in in live reps against another team it's the undrafted free agent caleb murphy the dude that Mm. has kind of got the undrafted hype here and has kind Mm -hmm. of fallen to the wayside a little bit in preseason but of course or in training. And camp. I have to say, by the way, yeah, the other day I mentioned on the show, I have not seen him. He's been invisible. He made a play today. He got a sack today. And I was like, welcome, welcome to the party, big boy. Let's maybe that's the start of a, a trend here. Um, and he did get, he's gotten so much hype because he did break the, the record in D2, but he's been a guy that I, ever since they signed him, I I've kind of wanted to see him break out. So let's see it now. 
And Stoney just stole my thunder in the chat. My pick is Chance Campbell. Um, I think Chance is going to look really good. I think I, I would actually bet on it being one of the interior linemen. Like Chance Campbell, Ben Neiman, Monty Rice. I think it's for sure. I would put my actual real U.S. currency on that as a bet if you let me. Um, I, I think that they are going to be the three that one of which is the the standout guy. I don't know which one I'm, I'm throwing my weight behind chance Campbell. Who's quietly had a nice camp and is the kind of guy that could absolutely go off and kind of thrust himself into the conversation. All right. Last, uh, well, almost last one offensive player of the game. Who do you think stands out offensively? And maybe this is an opportunity for a lineman to really stand out, or maybe it's one of those skill position guys. And I am going to go with the lineman and, and it's Peter Skronsky. Same. I want right, to see him. We, yep. we can, we can, yep. we can move on there. He's going to be like, I don't know how I'm much he's going to play. Yeah. I'm confident he'll play a snap at least a series at least. And I don't know who he's going to be facing, but regardless of how long he plays and regardless of who he plays against, I am so confident he's going to look very good. Um, and so I think that will be the one where you're like, oh, yep. Okay. You can put him on ice for the rest. We're good. He's, he's a guy. Um, last one. That's not really a question, but do you think anybody misses a freaking field goal? Finally, can we get some, like, can we get somebody to take the reins, take, take the, the first place, uh, totem in this race of a, a kicking competition, or is it continue to going? Is it going to continue to be a neck and neck cutthroat battle? And I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to put my big brain analysis on. <laughs> Okay. And, and tell you why to end the show here. Okay, let me hear. They it. don't call Chicago the Windy City for nothing. Ah, so ah, I hear I, I windy think... conditions are not conducive with kicking success. <laughs> so, so maybe we will, or maybe we won't, and then it just gets harder. But you know, that that that's my big brain analysis for you. All right, so we'll revisit those predictions on our weekend show, recapping the preseason game. Until then, we're done today. A couple of things before we go. Um, just want to point out that if you are not rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show on podcast, um, Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or Google Play Store or wherever, you should be doing that. Please do that. Please follow us on YouTube at Broadway Sports Media. And then follow our socials if you want to get updates on the show and also great content clips, snippets, things from camp that are exclusive to social media and are not shown on the show. Follow us on socials at Hot Read Pod. That's where you're going to find us everywhere on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Twitter or X. If you've not heard, we're partnered with Zen Sportsbook heading into the season. And JT, we are just mm, getting so close to reviving the best bet gauntlet. And that's really the, the, the Phil Mickelson in me, the degenerate in me, cannot wait to get back to our betting ways and our winning ways this season. And we're going to be doing that on Zen Sportsbook this year, the newest sportsbook in the state of Tennessee. So if you're a Tennessee resident, of which I know many of you are, you're going to go over to Zen Sportsbook. This is what I'm, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. This is what you got to do. Okay. Smart betters. Listen up. Go to Zen Sportsbook. Sign up for an account. Enter your information. When they ask for your sign up code, use code HOTPOD, H O T P O D. That's code HOTPOD, H O T P O D, to sign up. That's your referral code. It's going to get you 5% cash back on all of your betting volume. JT, do you have to win those bets to get that money back? No, you do not. No, you do not. Win or lose. You can bet on the Mets and lose all your money. And you are still getting 5% of that back in your comments. Or in your, I'm looking at the comments of Jacob. Shut up, Jacob. I'm trying to do an outro. Um, 5% cash back in your wallet for the first 15 days as a, spe a special welcome bonus. And then earn 3% cash back in your pocket after that. 
forever on all of your betting volume. A fantastic deal from our partners over at Zen Sportsbook. So go check them out. Zen Sportsbook. You can find them wherever your apps are sold, and you'll be able to sign up using code HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D, to get that special welcome bonus and cash back in your pocket on all your betting volume. It's like a it's like a nice credit card. They're rewarding you just for using the app. It's fantastic. All right, we're going to be live. I believe the plan, JT, tentatively, will be live Sunday. Uh, the game, of course, is, uh, reminder, folks, don't don't miss it. Saturday at noon, Central Standard Time. That's when the Titans are playing in Chicago. We'll be live recapping everything that happened on Sunday afternoon slash evening sometime in there. Make sure to follow us at Hot Read Pod on socials so um, you can you can know when exactly we're going to go live. We'll post it there. But we'll go live Sunday afternoon or evening recording our show for first thing Monday morning if you catch the podcast or YouTube version. Until then, for producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Tennessee Titans football is back. Enjoy the preseason game. We'll talk about all of it with you on Sunday. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Enjoy your weekend.